It's great to be here with you uh, this evening. Um, yeah, and I want to thank you as a church and as a leadership team for inviting us here this weekend uh, to be with you. And we're looking forward to spending uh, time together this weekend and getting to know you guys, many of you um, that we haven't uh, gotten to know. We look forward to that. And um, what I want to do tonight is <clears throat> I want to share with you guys my my story in coming into uh, the spirit-baptized life. Now, tonight, I'm not going to define that. We're going to do that tomorrow night. Um, but tonight, I just want to share that story. Um, and I know that um, through, through sharing my story, what I, what I don't want to do is point, point you to myself. Okay, that's not, not the goal of this. It's to point you to Jesus. And, and in doing that, that you can have faith to receive more from him yeah? and from the spirits ministering and working. Um, and I also want you to, um, to encourage you to open to share even more in your lives what Jesus is doing through his spirit as a means of encouraging others to pursue Jesus um, more wholeheartedly, right? Um, and that you would use um, your gifts and steward the gifts that God has given you um, in relation to serving the body of Jesus and expanding the kingdom, right? Um, and so my heart for, for you as a congregation is that you would um, walk in everything um, that Jesus would have for you. So, and the question I have for us tonight, and maybe I want you to ask um, yourself just this evening as, uh, as I share, is this, this question of, um, <clears throat> um, maybe I'm going to phrase it like this, do, um, do I want everything that Jesus wants for me? All right, so do I want everything that Jesus wants for me? Just ask that just in your heart throughout the entire evening. Just ask it again to yourself and then ask it again and then ask it again. Do I want everything that Jesus would want for me? Whatever that means. No, precon no pre preconceived ideas, right? Now, <clears throat> um, so, why, so let's maybe ask the question why do we want to share on, uh, tonight on this topic of um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, we know that that particular topic has been one that there is um, many different perspectives or some different perspectives in the church and the body of Jesus. Um, but um, one thing that's become apparent to me in the last year um, is as we have traveled many different places again and again, again the Lord has spoken in prophetic ways to, to, to different people that God is doing something new in this time. And it's the, the verse in Isaiah 43, in verse 19, um, where um, God is speaking to Isaiah and saying, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now that we know the context there is the deliverance from um, Babylon and back to the promised land. But in application of um, the context of the, the way that uh, we've experienced it being spoken to us in the past year is in relation to the next chapter where God promises to pour out this living water in relation to then he references that to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so I believe there's a new thing that God is doing in many of us as individuals. And what it is, is he's pouring out his Holy Spirit in new ways that we have not experienced before. Now, I'm, I'm excited about that because this has radically transformed my life. Um, anyways, I'm going to share just little snippets tonight. Um, but I believe that God wants to do something that's bigger than just individually pouring out his spirit upon us. Okay, It's connected to the new thing that God is doing in, in, in the body of Jesus, is that he wants the church corporate to begin to experience the Holy Spirit in a free and open way, the way we see in the New Testament. And so if we can move gently as a congregation and as bodies of believers past just these individual experiences to where we're together as Jesus' body, exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a biblical New Testament way, the church is going to um, be edified, built up, encouraged, strengthened, and not only that, but it's going to be effective and powerful in reaching those who are lost. Um, and so that's what the gifts are for. They're, and the manifestations of the Spirit and the outpouring of the Spirit is to build up the body of Jesus and to add to it. And so it's both. Now, <clears throat> so that, that maybe answers the why of tonight. Okay, so what I want to do is I want to begin just briefly by sharing my, my testimony in relation to coming to faith in Jesus. Um, just for a bit of a backdrop. Um, it's connected uh, in the sense of the other things that um, God has worked in my life. So I grew up in a Hutterite community in Manitoba in central Canada or western Canada. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, and I heard the gospel through some friends, family uh, members, and then also 
um, through uh, just listening to, uh, for those of you who are, um, we're back at the time when we used to have these little iPods and MP3 players, remember that time? And then we'd, we'd listen to things, or at least listen to sermons that way, and understood the gospel. And <clears throat> when I understood the gospel, I, I said to Jesus, I said, you know, I don't want to give my life to you. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to live the way I want to live. And then I'm about 90, and I think about my life is, right, is ready to expire. I'm going to pl- pray the sinner's prayer. That way I get, the best, I get the, best, the best of both worlds. I get to live for myself, and then I get to go to heaven and be with Jesus. So that's, that's a good deal, right? Um, I thought. I thought I was smart at 15. Um, but I, I literally said that in my mind to God after I'd heard the gospel, because part of it was what was being displayed to me as far as what it meant to follow Jesus, was I perceived that to be somewhat boring. Yeah, these Christians, they just pray, you know, they read the Bibles, God's going to keep me from doing all the exciting and fun things I want to do. This Christian life is going to be all the things I don't want to do, and all the things I want to do, I'm not going to be able to do. <laughs> and so, um, but that, that's not true, guys, right? We know that. That's, that's the devil, uh, he was lying to me. Um, but that's part of what I perceived even in the background I came from in the sense of what it meant to be Christian. I didn't have a full picture of everything I see today in the Christian life. So, um, and, um, so anyways, that was my perception. And what happened to me is I had a major accident. I was almost killed. I was uh, horseback riding. My brother ran across a major highway, uh, full gallop on horseback, and T-boned a car going 120, 120 kilometers down the road, right? Boom. And flipped over the, the car um, with the horse, and I flew into the ditch. Um, and... Um, uh, I remember uh, blacking out and waking up in the ditch and um, opening my eyes, and I was sitting cross-legged with my hands on my knees and standing up and thinking, okay, I'm for sure, I've got like broken bones, bones I'm not going to be walking in probably. I probably have a broken back or something. And I remember checking all my bones and nothing was wrong. I didn't even have a scratch, not even a bruise. I remember God speaking to me, um, hearing the Holy Spirit speak to me um, at, at that time. Uh, um, and afterwards, again and again from the book of James, that our life is but a vapor and it appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. That's our life. It's like that. And I got this picture again and again of like the steam. My mom, my mom would make tea, right? And it's this little steam that comes out of the teapot and it's, phew, it's gone. That's life. You see, and I understood something from that about God's grace, his mercy and his character in the next month as I struggle in my heart to surrender to Jesus, right? Um, because I decided I was going to live my, the rest of my life for myself. And then at the end, I'm going to serve Jesus for, I don't know, whatever I've left, nothing, basically. When I feel like I'm dying, I'll give my life to him. And in that, I realized I should have been dead on that highway. But God, in his great mercy and in his great love and in his patience and forbearance, save my life and give me another chance. Now, what would you do with that kind of grace? Right? Um, I remember years later when I was a teacher, um, I was in the second year of teaching and I was having tremendous discipline problems in my classroom with the kids and I was punishing them and I would give them marks and every mark was five minutes off of recess. And I remember some students had like 10 rows, like uh, 10 marks, 15 marks. And they were so hopeless. They couldn't, they, they were so hopeless that they were just being bad because they didn't have hope they could get out of all the punishments. I remember one morning talking to another teacher and I said, Eric, try grace. And I remember that part of my life too, God's grace. And I went back that, that, that morning. I went to, the, to my classroom. The students came in and um, they walked in and I was, we were in Titus and we're, the scripture says, we're memorizing that part, part of Titus with the class, in the classroom where the grace of God um, has appeared. The, the, the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we should live righteous and soberly in this present world. Is that passage? And, we got, and it was about grace. And I had an idea. I knew exactly what to do that morning. And so the students come in, we're memorizing the scripture and they're yawning and they're tired. I said, hey guys, I'm going to te- show you today. I'm not going to talk about grace. I'm going to show you what grace is. And so, um, and so they're like, oh, whatever, you know, the teacher's going to show us about grace. And so I just waited till everyone was looking at me, like 15 seconds, didn't say anything. Until everyone was like, when students like, teacher, what are you going to do? And I'm like, okay, is everyone ready? So I walked over, grabbed the eraser, walked over to the board and just went, wiped everything off. You could hear a pin drop in the classroom. And then it was like this eruption of praise. And the students leapt out of their, their seats and ran in front and hugged and said, teacher, is this real? I said, yeah, it's real. Forgiven. It's done. All the marks are gone. You guys can all go for recess. We're starting afresh. There were students crying. And I, the discipline issues from that point, I, I don't think students the rest of the year had more than two or three marks on the board. 
because even children understand that you don't abuse God's grace. You don't do that, right? No normal person would take grace and abuse it, right? Isn't that the scripture about that, right? So uh, that going back to that part of my life, and, and the night I gave my life to the Lord, I got on my knees. I was praying like I normally do, but I realized I had nothing to say, say to God. I was just empty. I had nothing. What would I say to God? Why would I pray to God if I didn't have a relationship with him and didn't want to surrender my life to him? And it was there where the Holy Spirit spoke to me one of the, one of the first times and said, first person, Eric, choose either to serve God today or choose to serve the devil. And I said, it's you, Jesus. I repent. And that's when I encountered the presence of God, living presence of God for the first time in my life, tangibly on my body, hands, on my, 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 like the Holy Spirit came down and did something inside of my heart, outside, and changed me completely. And it's the first time in my life I could lift my hands to heaven and worship. I could never do that before. I felt really, really awkward or weird. Why would you do that to, to God? <laughs> it's like, no, but that, that, I was set free at that point. And the next morning I felt for the first time in, in a very real and tangible way, God's love in a way that I never felt before as I opened the scripture to read it. And it was from this, see, it was from this experience of the manifest presence of God where I began to hunger for God. And I knew from that time, from the first day I gave my life to Jesus, that, there was, that we could experience God, not just know about him up here, but you could experience him, you could feel him. And so that's something that followed with me in my, my walk with Jesus. Is I expected him to show up. I expected that he would want to do that for his people, right? And um, so I ended up, long story short, left the, the background, the lifestyle I was living, and ended up uh, moving um, out of, out of uh, my home and into um, uh, another church community. Uh, and... Um, I did that because um, during a time of prayer and fasting, uh, God called me to evangelize on the streets of Winnipeg from door to door. I didn't want to. Do, I couldn't do it in the context I was in, and so I felt like I needed to move, move on. And so, um, even that, and I won't, you know, I'm not going to share too much on that tonight. But even from that, I learned to hear God's voice, and I, I had this faith in my heart that God wanted to actually speak to His people. Right? Some people believe that God only wants to speak through us through here. Right? He has spoken. And he's just going to do it through here. But I, I experienced something different. Nobody taught me anything about even the way God spoke. But in fact, I remember just reading the scripture and going, well, God speaks, so I'm going to ask him to speak to me. And then I heard God's voice in first person at times and during the first few months of coming to faith in Jesus. And, and so this was not abnormal for me. And so it set the ground in my heart to, um, to, to desire to hear God's voice, to walk in the Holy Spirit and to expect him to work in my life. And so um, it, it somewhat also set an expectation for the miraculous in my life. Um, now I remember, um, fast forward some time, I ended up in Sent One in West Africa, and there's something there that kind of shaped my life that happened in this little village. We're sent out into a little Kankuma village, and I experienced something there um, that I never experienced before. It was as some women, women were going down to the river to get some water, um, one of the women in front of our eyes was possessed by unclean spirits and began to quake and tremble. And we're like, well, what's going on there? And they took her into the compound, and then they asked us to come and pray for her. And we walked in, and this, this lady's in the middle of the compound trying to, to throw herself into the fire, trying to burn herself, clawing at herself, and, and completely demonized. And I was terrified. You know, I was like, I've never seen this before. What am I supposed to do? I mean, I read about it in the Bible, but I've never seen this before. So we've, my, the, the, sent, um, the sent student that was with me, we went into this little compound. We got on our knees. We prayed, God, what should we do? Can you speak to us? Tell us what to do. We don't know how to, what to do here. And nothing. We didn't hear anything. We just, I think we almost panicked more because <laughs> we didn't hear anything from God. See, we didn't understand who we were in Jesus and the authority we had. And so we're like, okay, we can't just wait here all day. People are waiting for us. And so we walked out, we started praying, and nothing happened until they, uh, the villagers brought uh, a mom into the village with a Quran, and he came over and started thumping her on her head and just praying and reciting Islamic prayers over her head. She did that for about an hour until she calmed down. And I remember thinking, watching all that, going, that is terrible. What? How terrible is that? That... Here we are, I'm a believer in Jesus. I see something in the scripture about these very things and that I don't have the understanding of the power to know how to deal with the situation. And that did something in my heart. And I remember going back to the compound and, and, um, and sharing this excitedly. Oh, we had this experience in the village. I remember someone there who was um, helping with the team was saying, well, hey guys, let's not focus too much on, the, on demons, let's focus on Jesus. 
And well, and I was like, well, I, I like, I was more like, okay, what, what do we do in this situation? But but we didn't. Um, nobody instructed us or showed us how to, how to deal with that. And so when I went back home to Winnipeg later, uh, so there's something in my heart where I realized, no, this we we should as believers have authority over unclean spirits. We should know how to deal with this. And so, um, and God brought me into various situations afterwards um, with demonized people, and. Um, without much success, but with some measure of success, experienced some deliverance. Um, but as I, I, I you know, began to grow in that area, but at least what happened in my heart is I, I realized I had power more than I had. I needed um, understanding of how to walk in the authority that Jesus had given to me, and I didn't, even, I didn't know where to find that. Even in discussions with people, uh, I, I couldn't come to an understanding of that. And so um, there's lots of trial and error for many years with not much success. Um, I remember at that point, being back in Winnipeg, um, I was <clears throat> the school I was teaching at, there were lots of Ethiopian or Eritrean families, and <clears throat> I'd interacted quite a bit with them, and many of them were like uh, from Pentecostal background, um, and um, their testimonies uh, impacted my life. I remember them sharing stories of uh, the outpouring of the, the Holy Spirit in their lives, and, and, and these, some of these uh, individuals would go out in the streets and share the gospel and pray for people and see sick people healed. And I was like, wow, that's something very unusual. That's not, I mean, I, we went out at that point as a youth group and shared the gospel, but not like that. There's something different here, and there's something different about the vibrance and the passion, the faith, and the expectancy to hear God's voice that was in the community of believers that I was not used to. Now, <clears throat> there was also a brother who had shared with me his, sto his story about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, how he started to, to, to pray in tongues. And this brother would, um, as we're going out to the streets at that time as young people, he would stay back and pray for hours for us and intercede for us. And he would never get tired of it. He would pray for three, four, five hours sometimes and not get tired. And I was like, um, and I learned something about prayer from him. But <clears throat> there was something that drove him in prayer, um, that equipped him and drove him in prayer. Now, um, I remember during that time, encountering on the streets of Winnipeg people from all kinds of different religious backgrounds, so Muslims and Buddhists and atheists and agnostics and college kids that were humanists and all kinds of uh, ideas, like uh, different ideas. And not only that, but also many types of different, different types of Christians from different denominations had all kinds of different perspectives. Um, I still remember running into a young uh, Pentecostal boy uh, from a oneness church who, who uh, I was out sharing the scriptures and he, he told me, well, because I don't pray in tongues, I'm not saved. Um, and uh, I still have that picture of like exactly in Winnipeg on the street corner where that was to this day. Um, and so all kinds of interesting people that I ran into that shaped who I was even as a person in those years. Now, um, as I was being exposed to even the gifts of the Holy Spirit at that point in my life and individuals who were functioning those with, with um, and living righteous and holy lives, there was something in me as I was looking, um, as I looked online in some things, for example, I was watching YouTube clips, you know, that are a little bit more common today, even like exposed clips, right? You guys watch some of those? It's like, expose this teacher, expose this false uh, guy over here is a false anointing, right? Anybody watch those clips? And so I was like watching clips about Todd Bentley, right? And, and Kenneth Copeland and things like that and going like, whoa, this is something's not, like I remember watching, you know, people being prayed for and then going all over the floor and shaking and running around like as if they're completely out of control of themselves. And this, this put some fear in, into my heart in relation to the Holy Spirit. I said to myself, if that's the Holy Spirit, that, I don't see that in scripture, what's going on? That's very weird. And not only weird, but that almost seems like these people are uh, out of control of themselves and demonized. And so it put something in my heart in relation to the Holy Spirit was afraid of him. Started being afraid of the Holy Spirit. I was, I was afraid of that. If people would pray for me, maybe I would get some demon. Maybe I would start acting all kinds of weird ways. And what if, what if that happened? How would I get that demon out? <laughs> Anybody had a thought like that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had those thoughts, right? And it was connected to, so I saw something that was real and I saw something over here that wasn't. And I, I, I kind of mixed those all together and got really confused and stayed away from all of that. Um, now, it was also during this time um, where I developed, um, particularly because of the environment I was in, maybe this spiritually superior view, because we're going out and evangelizing um, and trying to get people to join our church, but we were conservative and a Baptist. And so um, I had this idea in my mind that um, the conservative and Baptists were the most biblical, right? And um, somehow I had to need, needed to convince other um, Christians from other denominations that they should adopt some of these beliefs. And so... I had that mindset, and so I couldn't receive very well from others, and it was connected to spiritual pride, right? Um, and, and so even the idea that I could receive from other Christians at that point, from other denominations, is very difficult because of that spiritual pride. Um, and, I, <clears throat> and so, um, 
And this impacted me. And the more, longer I was in that environment, the more my life became like this and like this. For example, one example of this um, is I used to, when I came to faith in Jesus, I used to listen to all kinds of worship music. And I remember the first person I listened to was Robin Mark. Anybody listen to Robin Mark? I loved Robin Mark. I listened to him for hours. And then I got into this particular church community and it was like a cappella only. That's to sing without instruments. And that's because the early church did that and that's the apostolic practice. And so we should do that today. And so I thought, okay, well, if that's the best way to worship Jesus, um, and it's probably the, the apostolic example, I'm just going to listen to a cappella music. So I did that for a whole year. No music, just a cappella. And <clears throat> I remember doing that for um, a year and something inside of me in context, in the context of sh- worshiping and singing was shriveling up. I felt it literally as the months went by just shriveling up. I listened to Hallel and Haven and, and choirs and that's all I listened to for like a whole year. After a year, I was like, this, something's wrong with this. And I, I went, took out my concordance, looked at every single reference to musical instruments, starting in Genesis, like Genesis 4, I think 22, is like Juba's the guy who starts making lyres and in, musical instruments. I remember reading that passage going, wait a minute. He's making instruments, but where is he getting that from? Why would he just begin randomly to make instruments? And I remembered that mankind was made, made in whose image? God's image. And who makes the angels harps in the book of Revelation? The harps belong to who? Harps, the angels play the harps of, of God. God, you're telling me God makes harps and then gives them to the angels to play? And I connect to that, that we as human beings want to worship with instruments because that's a, a, a reflection of God's image, right? And I saw that throughout the, the biblical commands in the Old Testament to worship God with instruments and, and New Testament in Colossians to worship with, uh, with psalms and in, in Ephesians. And I realized a psalm is a piece of mu- uh, music accompanied by an instrument. I remember reading through all those things and writing everyone down and going, wait a minute, I've understood something wrong. And from that day, I was free in that area. I started listening to worship music again and something... It was like, a, like rain on a dry, dry soul. Um, and so even the ideas sometimes in the environments we're in can, can restrict us. They can stifle us. They can dry us up in, in, in our legalism. Right? And so, so even it develops certain attitudes towards other churches or Christians, which is unhealthy and does not allow for the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. We begin to develop a spiritual superior attitude in which then we cannot receive from Jesus. Because why? What does God do to proud people? Yeah, he resists us if we're proud, right? So we can't receive God's grace. We can't receive from him if we have pride in our hearts, right? So, um, but I saw this group of individuals and had a small amount of friends who I perceived had something more from the Holy Spirit. And, and in my mind, somehow that was connected to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so what I did, I didn't want to go and pray with my Pentecostal friends. I didn't want to admit to them that I didn't have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, that would be like, that wouldn't be good. And so, um, because um, I don't know, I just, I didn't want to admit that. And so I, I remember reading in Luke where Jesus said in Luke 11, which of you fathers, if, you, if, if, you, if your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those asking? And I read that and said, yes, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask the, the father in Jesus' name for the Holy Spirit. He's going to give him to me, right? So I fasted and prayed for three days and, 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 and said, and just my, I was praying for hours and, and fasting. Just was, God, give me the Holy Spirit. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I, and somehow I connected that to the outpouring of the gifts in my life. I thought maybe I'd start praying in tongues. I'd start seeing visions. I don't know. Maybe I'd start after that point, some affirmation of the Lord's spirit being in me. And I would see the sick being healed of some type, a healing of some type flowing from my life. But as I prayed, the thing that kept coming back to me again and again was, Eric, go down and pray with your Pentecostal friends. No, no, no. I remember that coming to my mind and going, no, not that. No, I mean, that can't be the Holy Spirit speaking, right? Not to go with, because those, God, don't you know those people, they're not like us. You know, they're, they're the women who wear pants, right? That's not good, God. Right? And so they have TV in their house, and that's not very nice because, what, I mean, setting awake a thing before your eyes. There's a Bible verse about that, right? And so I was like, no, I can't, I can't do that. I can't go pray with, no, not, not with Pentecostals. And so, um, but the Holy Spirit kept saying that and I didn't want to do it. Uh, guys, has anybody ever, if, does that connect with anyone? The, the, it's rooted in, it was rooted in spiritual pride, right? 
and it, it grieves me now. Actually, like deeply in my heart, I, I it, it, there's something that 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 hurts me in, in in that that that's so not right that we do that to each other in Jesus' body, right? And um, I said no. I said no to God. I said I'm not going to do it. You, I, I, I went back and claimed this promise. I said. Um, if you ask your heavenly father, he's going to give the Holy Spirit to those asking. So I'm going to keep asking you because that's what your word says. I didn't experience anything. Nothing. Didn't. In fact, I got more frustrated. In fact, the conclusion I reached is, well, okay, God has given me certain gifts. I'm just going to walk in them. And whatever he's given me is what he wants me to walk in. And that's what I did. And for the next few years, um, I served in whatever I could, in whichever capacity I could. And, and um what I would conclude, um, you know, four years of living in the city, and at that time our youth group would go out, go out in the streets once a week and witness and evangelize. And I would go out on the weekends, Friday, Saturday night, I was free, so I'd go out and pass our tracts and pass our Bibles and share the gospel with people. But as time went on, when I came to the end of those four years, I became acutely aware of maybe a sense of failure in my life that wasn't working. Like, I had spent thousands of of of. I, I passed out thousands of tracks. I shared the gospel with thousands of people, you know, going out three times a week almost to share the gospel. It was not for lack of trying, but when I looked at the scriptures, I'd read the scriptures every day. It was whatever was in here, the New Testament was not what I was experiencing. No matter how hard I prayed, no matter how much I fasted, no matter how much I witnessed, the fruit was not the same. And I didn't understand why. It didn't make sense to me quite. But I kept having a greater greater sense of need in my heart for God's power and, and grace and but I wasn't experiencing it. I thought at that point, because of some of the legalistic environment I was in and even some of the teaching, um, what I thought was the answer was to do what? You guess? Yes, try harder, try more, witness more. You just, you didn't get up early enough to pray. So let me get up an hour extra to pray. Five o'clock instead of six o'clock. Then maybe the anointing of the Holy Spirit is going to flow through me because it's, I'm the problem, <laughs> Right? Um, now, <clears throat> it wasn't that there was no um, fruit at all during this period. Uh, I remember there was one particular immigrant I ran into on the street, um, shared the gospel with him, gave him a tract. It was in the middle of the night, like 12 o'clock on Broadway, and he was out selling drugs. And um, he, I gave him a tract, and he said, yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus. And I had never, nobody had ever taught me how to lead someone to Jesus. So I told him what to do, you know, in coming to Jesus, the same way I had come to Jesus. I told him, go back home in your, in your house, get on your knees like this, and then pray. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sins. I trust in you. And I, and I just taught him how to say the, the prayer of repentance and faith. And then when you're done, um, just start thanking God for his salvation. And God's going to give you joy. And you're going to experience the Holy Spirit's presence and you'll be saved. And I said, okay, good night. Have a great night. I'll see you. Um, maybe again, I don't know when. And so I left him. A few weeks later, I bumped into him in the park and he came up and gave me a big hug and said, Eric, I took that little track you gave me, put it on a, in a picture frame in my, my bedroom. And I, I did what you said and I, 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 something changed in my heart. God met me and I, I've been going to church ever since and it's, I, I can't do the bad things that I used to do before. It's like, oh, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, that's amazing. Wow. That worked. And, um, but, but, so it wasn't that there was no fruit, but I didn't even actually know how to lead people to Jesus. I was out in the streets sharing. I was just sharing. I was just speaking to people. And when I was done speaking. I would say, okay, have a good one. And have a good day. And on to the next person. Hey, have you heard about Jesus? Hey, um, have, you, have you heard about Jesus? And I was done over here. Right? That's all I did. Scattered lots of seed, but I didn't know how to bring in the harvest. And part of it is because nobody, I know didn't disciple me and to train me. Um, and so, um, now, um, I remember, um, so I had this, from my time in West Africa, I had this uh, calling in the Ghanaian village to be involved and get my life to serve among unreached people groups. And so I ended up, after four years of teaching, saying I need to leave the, the school and end up, um, I wanted to be somewhere in Asia or Middle East somewhere um, to find God's calling in that part of my, to, to fulfill that part of what I felt God was calling me towards. And so I ended up in, um, in Southeast Asia at a Bible training school Long story short, in Greece on an island, working with an organization there, that's where I met, um, I got to know my wife. And um, we saw God in that context there in Greece begin to work in very powerful ways, in ways that I hadn't seen before, even miraculous ways. I remember my wife um, back then, before we were married, going into a tent, and there was a lady there that had an abscess, like really big, laying hands on her she, and prayed for her. And she came back a few hours later and the abscess was completely gone. There's nothing there, it was gone. 
you know, heal miraculously. Um, we saw God open up doors of ministry and serving that was supernatural. That was not way beyond our capacity and uh, to serve in. And we saw hungry people that we met that was like God's uh, appointment um, in, in bringing them to, to, into our lives in, in, in a divine appointment. And so like we met Muslims who were having dreams of Jesus and that became so common that um, we just began just to expect that. Um, but it seemed to me personally, even during this time, um, that even though God was moving in many powerful ways around us, even miraculous ways, um, that there was the fruit that was, that was happening for some reason didn't quite remain. And as that nagged me in the back of my mind, would bring people to faith in Jesus, but they, they, sometimes they peter out or they wouldn't continue in faithfulness. And so um, even at times, some, some of them would go back to Islam. And um, some of those who came to faith in Jesus would struggle for years and not properly mature and grow in their faith. And even that, through a few years of observation, I realized something's not right with that. I don't see that in scripture. I see the church overcoming, growing, victorious, powerful. More people saved, more people baptized, the Holy Spirit being poured out, the church again growing and more churches being planted. Why is it that we're seeing even God working in miraculous ways, but that's not happening. It just keeps like falling in and of itself. Like this kind of, why? What's going on? And so it was during this time I went back to Canada to visit my family and it was there that um, I spent time with a friend who was from the same background I was, I was from. And <clears throat> he shared with me his story about being baptized in the Holy Spirit and how someone prophesied over him, prayed over him. And at that point in my life, I'd experienced enough failure where I was in the place in my heart where I could actually be honest with the Lord. And I remember him sharing his story with me as we're sitting in that, in, in that cafe and then later in his truck um, and, and going, in my mind going back, rendezvous to like the time I had prayed and fasted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit years later. God took me there in the conversation. I was going back and forth in the conversation and going, he, there's something here because I grew up with this guy. I know him. He's not just telling me stories, but something's markedly has changed in his life. I can see it. I can see it in the way he's speaking. And, and there's something he has that I don't have, even though he was from my background and I was there in some measure to bless him and to encourage him to pray for him. The opposite was going on. And I was realizing it in the conversation. And I thought, you know, I should just have him pray for me. That, that God will pour out his Holy Spirit upon my life. And I remember thinking of doing that as a no, no, you can't do that, Eric. You're here to bless him and you're here to encourage him and encourage him to follow Jesus and obey Jesus more. You're not here to be prayed for. It's like, no. And I was like, no, I you know, there's something he's experienced that I haven't. And it, the, one of the most difficult things in my life that day was to say to that person, so, my friend, um, would you pray for me? to receive more from the Holy Spirit. It was like bricks, literally bricks falling out of my mouth. It was that heavy and difficult. When it was out, it was like, ah. I said it in relation to the Holy Spirit. I can't explain to you why it was completely that way in my life, except for maybe pride. Like what would be wrong to just ask someone to pray for you to, to have the Holy Spirit work more in your life? <laughs> what could be wrong with that? Right? It's in the Bible, right? But it was pride keeping me. And, um, he said, I don't know how to pray this. I've never prayed for anyone in this way, but I'll do it. And so he lays hands on me and prayed, Jesus, give Eric more of the Holy Spirit and um, some other things and amen. And we're like, okay. Okay, that's good. Amazing. And then we parted ways. And I remember thinking as I was driving away, you know, was it God did something here. It's not what I expected, but he broke the pride in my heart. For the first time in my life, I could humble myself and, and have someone pray for me in that way moving past my fears, moving past my, uh, moving past theological barriers in my mind, experiences and so forth. And that was significant. That was very significant. Okay. That was not nothing in my life. Um, it was something that was quite significant. Um, and it was because I realized at that, that time that God was resisting me in some measure. And there was a grace that I was not flowing in from God because of my pride. Um, Sometime after that, I was in a youth um, meeting. Some youth were gathered together at a wedding, and they were excited because they had just experienced the outpouring of the gifts among them, and I was intrigued. And so they were there at a place where, where we were staying, and they were coming and having a prayer meeting right before the wedding. Like, what kind of young people get together at prayer meetings right before weddings <laughs> and pray for outpourings of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Right? You know something's going on if that's what's going on, right? Like, okay, there's something unusual, and that, that, that's a natural tendency. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. Young people getting together to pray for the Holy, the Holy Spirit to be poured out and to, to encourage each other, inspire each other. 
at a wedding. So I was there. So I wanted to be there. So I, went, I was in that environment. And so I was watching and in the back and going, okay, there's something here that's good. And someone walking up and saying, hey, I would like to receive more from the Holy Spirit. Could you pray for me? And so they gathered around me and prayed for me and, and prayed in tongues over me. And <clears throat> someone gave an interpretation of tongues. That's what that the person said it was interpretation of tongues. Uh, I think it was probably more prophetic word uh, because it was directed towards me instead of towards God, right? Tongues is towards God and prophecy is towards people, right? So, um, but what, what I've been wrestling with um, from a situation that had developed a few years before that I'm involved in is the devil had placed some uh, a, a, a doubt, a fear into my life in regards to, um, I, I thought maybe I blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And maybe I was not a child of God. And I was struggling with that for two years and nobody knew about that. And then when that word came, it, it spoke right to that need in my heart. And it broke spiritually, that broke in my life. Super, and I didn't tell, I should have told them, but it, it happened internally. And I, even as it was happening, I realized what, was, what God was doing and the spiritual stronghold he was breaking. And, and there was a sense of spiritual awe that was in my heart. And I remember walking out of that meeting and going, Wait a minute, I've, I've read the scriptures, I've, I've talked to people, I've done everything I possibly could think of to get that out. And I couldn't. And in a prayer meeting where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are being exercised, there's a word that comes and that thing is removed supernaturally. And I don't feel it anymore. And I, I believe I'm a child of God and I'm, and I'm walking with him. And that God is pleased with me. And I didn't make a mistake and mess up in that situation. And I remember thinking to myself, how many years could I have walked with those lies in my mind about myself. And I already was at that point realizing how it was affecting me. It was affecting my confidence in speaking God's word and preaching the gospel and doing, carrying out some of my responsibilities that my authority was being diminished as time went on, as I was internally wrestling and wrestling, right? And so um, I remember thinking at that point, um, Jesus, it's no longer... I, it's, it'd be nice to have the Holy Spirit and experience your gifts. It's Jesus, I don't know if I can serve you without the power of the Holy Spirit and your gifts. In fact, at that point, I was like, I don't think I want to anymore. And I, something began to rise up in me in a sense of desperation where I, I felt like I needed the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just, I, I switched from being careless, okay, God, if you give me some gift, that's amazing, to I, I really need to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit because it's not just about me, but how many other people are trapped in lies that need to be prophesied over, that need to have words of knowledge spoken over them. They're living in bondage of the enemy for years and years, and God wants to work to his people to set them free, or even in the church right here. And I said, Jesus, I actually, I want to minister in that way. I don't know how to get there, but I want that not for myself, but for your glory, for your people, for the building of your kingdom because of the way it impacted me. And so um, um, it was getting close at that point of our lives of being sent to Greece to be church planters. <laughs> and I remember saying to God, God, I don't want to go to Greece being a church planter, making disciples without the power of the Holy Spirit, walking in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But at that point in my life, I didn't know who to talk to. Okay, I was in a Mennonite church at that point and um, I knew the standard Anabaptist answer to this particular question of the gifts and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And um, I, I, I had heard that all my life. And so I knew that, that there was something that was missing there because what I was seeing in the scripture was not being experienced by th th that particular uh, group and other groups I'd interacted with. And so I, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to turn. And then so I just told, I began to pray and say, Jesus, would you send someone into my life? I don't know who, would you send someone into my life who could help me understand these things and pray for me and help me to come into this life, of the, uh, the spirit-filled life. And it was during this time, um, part of what even initiated that was, um, I was reading through Acts one, sat one Saturday. I read through the entire book, and I remember as I was reading through progressively through Acts, every single instance of the miraculous, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, that's what's missing in your life, Eric. That, 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 and that, and that, and that. And it was like everything connected with the Holy Spirit and is working, that, that's at the root of why there's powerlessness in, in your life. And so something shifted in my heart, and I said, uh, okay, but how do I get from here to there, right? And so... Um, and it was at that same time I realized, I've been in many different Anabaptist settings uh, you know, at that point, and I realized, um, I remember um, around that same time thinking, you know, God, if, if the environments I've been in 
are your solution to preach the gospel among the nations, which I was being sent to do, God, I think you're in, in big trouble. I think you're, like, really. I, I, I don't think we're going to get the job done. And so it was, it was that and my personal sense of failure and the corporate sense of failure I, I felt in the environments that I had been part of all these years where, where I realized there's something more that must be experienced by the believer that I don't think we're experiencing. Because when I read Acts, it's, it's not what I'm experiencing in my church. It's not what I'm experiencing individually. And I was fine at the place where I can humble myself and say that's... That, um, I could say that honestly, without defenses, without saying, okay, but this, or but, oh, it's because of this reason. For the first time in my life, there in New York City, as I was in that phase of my life, I was like, there's something missing and I'm not gonna excuse it anymore. I'm just gonna say, Jesus, I want more from you, whatever it takes. And I'm not gonna live without more of the power of the Holy Spirit in my life and send someone to me to talk to me about these things. Um, and so anyways, we ended up in Greece. God didn't answer my prayer the way, the, the way I expected to. Um, and it was the first two weeks of being in Greece, I ended up at the Greek Bible College. Now, the Greek Bible College is a Presbyterian Evangelical Bible College. Does anybody know anything about Presbyterian theology? <laughs> yeah, so in relation to the gifts and the moving of the spirit, what most Presbyterians have a bit of a what kind of emphasis? More cessationist, right? The gifts have ceased. And so, but the first professor there was a continuationist and was walking the gifts of the spirit. In fact, he came to, the, to us in, in the classroom and prophesied over Kate and I twice. Um, and he insinuated in his teaching, he was teaching the book of John, verse by verse, the continuation of the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit in his comments. And I caught it right away because I was hungry for that. And so that led to many hours of discussion after the classroom. After every session, we'd, I'd walk up to the instructor and we'd talk for hours. And we'd talk about tongues and prophecy and hearing God's voice and, and, and all these topics and into the evenings after dinner. Um, and I remember um, halfway through that time, I felt... Um, and I was asking the questions because it was the things he said were all the same things I understood from the scripture. And I just wanted someone to verify that what I was understanding in here was not crazy. <laughs> um, and as I was doing that, it was, it was, it was like this. And I said, yes. So I, I remember telling um, this brother, who's an older brother, like in, I think in the seven, about around 70, um, 70 somewhere. Um, if, if he could pray for me, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I would like to experience the outpouring of the gifts in my life and I, I would like to, for him to pray for me in that way. So I remember him um, uh, there in the, in the college we're at, in the main area uh, where there's a cafeteria and there's the busiest section. We're talking at that point. And I said, yeah, would you pray for me? He said, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then I'm gonna pray in tongues for you. But we're, in, you know, we're kind of an evangelical Bible college. And so if someone comes through the doors, I'm gonna stop praying in tongues, just not to offend anyone. And then... Um, um, that would, but if, if when you know when the person's if is not there anymore, I'll just keep praying in tongues. But I just want to let you know, I want to be respectful of the environment here, but I also want to minister in the spirit. So, anyways, he prayed for me in that way, um, and I appreciated that sensitivity, but also appreciated the boldness. And so, God did something in even my heart to to be more forthright in in that. And so, I asked him and his wife to come pray for my wife and I um, the second time. I think two nights after. And I remember them laying hands on us and praying for us that evening and um, him telling me, Eric, you need to receive the Holy Spirit by faith. And God has poured the Holy Spirit into your life. At that point in my life, and I don't know what, what your experience is here as individuals in relation to the gifts. Some gifts are easier to exercise. Like if someone's sick, it's not embarrassing to go over and pray for them. You know, it's, an, you know, it's very normal. Okay, let's pray for, for healing and, or even to um, share a word from the Lord. But to, to pray in tongues for me, that was something that was very, very difficult um, to, to do that, right? To say something you don't understand in some unknown language. No, not, I mean, that's really strange. Because it, it, um, in fact, at that point in my life, I don't think I could have done that in front of people. I think it would have been almost impossible for me. I had to pray and say things I didn't understand in some kind of language that was un un not understandable to men. Um, and so I don't think even if I've been prayed over 15 times, 20 times in the context of other people, I could have started to pray in tongues because of my own fear and the way I was bound up in that. And so I had to be by myself with the Lord. So that evening I went and spent time worshiping the Lord. And I remember thanking the Lord um, for giving me the Holy Spirit. But then I felt like there was, God wasn't doing anything in my heart. So I thought, okay, I should fast and pray. And I remember thinking, no, the Holy Spirit is not received by works. 
I don't have to fast for the Holy Spirit. I just need to ask the Lord and thank him. So I remember thanking and worshiping the Lord. And as I was doing that, and, and, and genuine joy started to, to well up in my heart that God had given me the Spirit. He would give me the Spirit in greater measure. And then as I was doing that, I started praying in tongues for the first time. Just the words started coming out. As I was speaking, just like there's an Acts, they spoke, and what did the Holy Spirit do? He gave them utterance, right? Some people think that, they, that God has to speak through us in the sense of like, mm, and then God will literally force your lips open like from heaven, some of his hands and then put words in your mouth and force you to speak. Now that's not the way the Holy Spirit works. They spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so I remember as I was thanking God, the words that were coming out changed to unknown, unknown languages, unknown, you know, unknown language and with words I didn't understand. And something shifted. I remember that evening, I, I prayed for hours. I went up on the roof of the Bible college and prayed in tongues and sang in tongues and, and worshiped the Lord in tongues. And something shifted deep inside of my heart. I remember thinking that night, the same Holy Spirit that came over Jesus at his baptism was now in me. The same one. Not only that, but if, if I had the same experience that the disciples had at Pentecost, then everything else in here must be true. Right? Right? And so something ignited in my heart about faith that I had never experienced before. I actually believed everything God said in a way that I never did before. I believed that I would lay hands on the sick and they'd be healed. I believed that I, I would hear God's voice if I'd ask and, he would, and I would be able to identify his voice. Right? And so I remember this faith welling up in my heart. And um, the next few days, I remember every person I met that was sick on the street, I just stopped and asked if I could pray for them. But nothing happened. And there's, nobody was healed. And I remember like the second day thinking, oh, this is not working for me. I, I'm not sure. Maybe I don't have the gift of healing. So I, maybe someone else needs to pray for the sick. And I remember someone calling me at that point and, and I, I'm sharing with them, you know, it's not working. I'm praying for the sick, but they're not being healed. And he said, Eric, you're not doing anything wrong. Just keep praying for the sick. You're doing everything right. Just keep praying. It's God who heals. It's you that prays. Right? God works through our prayers, but he's the healer at the end of the day. So the next day was the first time I experienced someone miraculous, instantaneously healed, like a fractured leg, like cast completely. You know, with crutches, you know, walking after it was prayed for, the pain gone, walking, moving his feet not, with no crutches. I took his crutches and was walking. And there was a bunch of like 15 other guys watching everything that was going on. I got to preach the gospel in the open air space because of what God did there to one person in healing them. And so, and after that, seeing God heal sickness, all kinds of sicknesses, tumors and, and broken bones and um, back pains and migraines and all kinds of things. And so, um, and we, we learned, to, I learned, uh, I'm going to have my wife to share a bit, um, here in a bit too, but um, we, we, it was for me, um, part of the way I had related to God was a little bit um, systematic or a little bit pro progr programmatic in the sense of um, I do this and then you do, do this. And I, I learned in relating with God through the Holy Spirit that it was more about relationship, that the Holy Spirit is a person. And it's not if I do A, B happens. It's not like that. That's not the way God works. He's actually more interested in what's going on inside of here than it is about a result over there in our hearts and my heart. And so I learned to, 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 to not look for particular outcomes, but to look at what God was doing in here and in people's hearts. As, and so we started, my wife and I started to pray for people, pray for people to be, the gifts to be poured out at the beginning. As we did that, um, not, not much happened, but we started getting words for people. And prophecies and words of knowledge. And I realized what was holding many people from experience and outpouring of the Spirit was lies, strongholds, faithlessness, fear. And those things need to be broken before the Holy Spirit could, could flow, uh, could come and, and then flow freely. And so we learned to walk with the Holy Spirit as a person, not just a program or do this and then this happens, right? And so um, I remember. Um, one thing that impacted me in this journey of seeking more from the Holy Spirit um, was back in New York City when I was praying and seeking God to be baptized in the Holy Spirit um, and saying, God, lead me to someone who can pray for me right before we were going to Greece. And I had a vivid dream in which God showed me that I left my first love. And it broke for two days, uh, this deep emotional pain that I had, I had, I cannot explain to you. It was supernatural because I had, I had let other things come into my life um, that I had loved more than I loved Jesus. Um, and it broke something deep inside of me where to this day, I believe that the greatest commandment is what? It's to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and being and strength and to love our neighbors ourselves. That's the second part of the great commandment, by the way. 
And you know what hap- would happen? God, after that dream, he pointed out three relationships that I had fractured in my life. And he asked me to make them right. And I called people up and on the phone and said, messaged them and said, hey, I want to make this relationship right. That's the great commandment. Loving God and loving who? And sometimes we want certain outcomes, we want certain power, we want some certain things, but we don't want to do that which is primary. The great commandment comes before the great commission. And then Pentecost comes after the great commission. It's a, there's an order. The great commandment is first and primary, even before the great commission, before Pentecost power. So even what I'm going to do tonight, even in sharing this part here, is that as we look at receiving more from the Lord, let's start in here, in our heart. You know, is there idolatry? So things that I've exalted in my heart that I'm pursuing and loving more than I'm loving Jesus. That's not okay. It's not okay to, to love other things and pursue other things more than Jesus. That's idolatry. Tear that out. That's simple. It's repentance. It's acknowledging what it is and saying, Jesus, I'm sorry. I've let something come in. I've pursued something else more than you. That relationship, that's not right. That's not okay. I'm not going to justify that anymore. My part in not having that right, I'm going to reconcile that. I'm going to humble myself and acknowledge my wrong. Even though the other person might not, I'm going to do it. I'm going to reconcile. Because Jesus said, if, if you're going to worship, you know, going to a place of worship, do what first? Leave whatever worship or gift you're bringing and go do what? Reconcile with your brother. Right. See, so part of my journey in coming into the spiritual life is, is God teaching me that the Holy Spirit was a person. He was to be related to as a person. And he was more interested in here and in there what was going on than he was just giving me some power to do whatever com- he told me to do. I think that was important in my life because um, I think it's important in all our lives because we don't want to walk in gifts of the Holy Spirit and power and misuse them, abuse them, use them to glorify ourselves, right? We don't want to do that. We want all the glory to be given to Jesus. We really want his church to be built. And by God working here first, sometimes, and making this right, we can be more effective, more powerful, more glorifying to Jesus in whatever power and grace he flows, he gives in our lives, right? You see that? That's beautiful. God's, God's a way of working in our lives to bring us to the place where he wants us to be. Um, now, <clears throat> I remember another change in my life that was um, how do I articulate this? Because uh, I think many of you have probably experienced this. How many of you have experienced um, striving hard in the work of the Lord, like striving in your own works, flesh? working hard, working hard, and thinking that if you worked harder, there'd be a different result. When I, when I experienced the Spirit's outpouring and power in my life, something radically inside shifted where I had peace. When I would minister to, to the gospel, when I'd share the gospel, when i teach, there was a sense of abiding, God's abiding peace in my heart and rest that I never had before. I didn't, I didn't have to do anything in that sense. I didn't have to make something happen. I didn't have to talk really hard to convince someone. I didn't have to study apologetics for 10 years to become a proficient apologist in the streets to convince someone to give their lives to Jesus because I had a check, checkmate you know, argument that would corner a person into saying, yeah, Jesus exists and therefore I must, you know, I must repent and I have to do that and I have to do it right now. Something deep inside my heart um, became restful and peaceful. Um, and, I, and I think I would describe that as ceasing from my own works allowing the Holy Spirit to work through me. Um, now, I think part of um, also my, my experience of coming to the life of the gifts was that from the very beginning, I understood that the gifts should be exercised publicly, not hidden, um, and not by individuals and not by the church. And one of the, uh, from, from my previous church experiences, I had realized later there were certain people who were, working in certain, who were walking in certain gifts, particularly more the gift of tongues, uh, but they would always pray at home in their closet. And for years, even, they would never even tell anyone. And, but there were somehow, some of these individuals I knew, years later, I found out, and I said, oh, wow, that person was like always praying. 
Like he was always the first one to pray. Always the, his preaching was the, the most passionate. Um, his love for evangelism was the, evangelism was the most passionate. And I, what, I, what happened in my mind was I connected that with lots of doing. And even that fostered a greater legalism. I, heart, I thought I had to do harder, be harder like this person to, to get the same results. But I didn't realize there was something inside that person had in his relationship with the Lord. In particular, in this case, the, the gift of tongues that was, f- was creating a passionate faith, building that person's faith as was daily praying in tongues. And so what I decided when I experienced the gifts that I was not going to keep them to myself. That's not right. They're meant to be experienced at, by the body, all the gifts in an appropriate context, right? Exercise appropriately. Um, but they were also for the building up of the church to adding people to the kingdom. And so if you hide gifts, don't steward them properly, don't pass them on. Um, and don't uh, minister the gifts like Paul said to the Romans, he said, I wish I long to be among you so that I can impart some spiritual gift to you. What does that look like, guys? What does that mean? Right? And I realized that actually if you have a word, a prophetic word for someone, it's selfish not to give it. Like God wants to bless that person through you by giving you a word, for, um, giving a word to that person and you because you think too much of yourself or the other person would think of you, maybe based on fear of man, or you don't want to give it. You don't want to appear a certain way. Well, that's, that's focus on who? Self. So like, we have to get past ourselves and move forward in faith in what God wants to do through us and exercise the gifts that God gives us in with confidence, with faith, with humility. So Jesus can build others up through us and build up his body and add to the church. Amen. We don't want to be, we don't want to be prideful in that way. Putting ourselves in the center and not allowing Jesus to work through us. That's not good. Now, sometimes also we think, okay, well, yeah, God does miraculous things way over there, somewhere in the mission field, in the faraway places, right? We're, um, uh, far away from home, but you know he's kind of a little bit different uh, back here. Right here, we've, we have the Bible and we have you know all these different things, and we don't need the miraculous working of God. Right? Have you ever heard of that kind of idea? Yes, a little bit. Probably all of us to some degree, right? Um, but I want to say it tonight that God is not different one place to the next. Okay, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever in all aspects of who He is. Okay, that is, none of that has changed. I remember um, being back in the States here last year, and we had uh, twice when we prayed over people in Greece um, in, in, in relation to uh, God meeting that person and healing and different aspects of what that person needed. Jesus appeared to them as we're praying over them in tongues and had a vision of Jesus in the room coming to meet with him. Well, we were back in the States last year, and in two occasions, in a Mennonite setting, we're doing the same thing, and Jesus appears to people, appeared to, them, to, to two people in the same way. That would, Muslim and Mennonite. <laughs> Jesus wants to meet both. Okay, God doesn't work somewhere over there in ways that he, he doesn't want to work here. No, we, some of us in this room need to be healed. We need to have a, a touch from Jesus in a way that will bring healing inside of us here so that we can be more effective and confident towards him in the way we relate to him and then towards others. Right? So we don't want to limit God. How do we do that? Um, so, what I thought we could do is, Kate, do you, do you want to come up and share a little bit? Can we have this, maybe this mic live here? Because um, my wife, what I just exper- described to you here in a bit, in this bit of time that we had, um, was like an eight-year journey. And then, oh, that one, okay. <clears throat> an eight-year journey. And then one and a half year of intense seeking and praying. And, but my wife was not that way. Um, it was very different because there's more of a, an openness, I think, and a, a surrender in which, and if we have that, God can work way more quickly in our hearts, right? So we just share that part and also the effect of that in your life, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think when Eric started talking more about receiving more from the Holy Spirit, I, I think my words to him were, you have the Holy Spirit, just thank God for what you have. And I would say my personal life looked a lot like I was a cessationalist. I was a practicing cessationalist. Like I wasn't practicing the things that Eric was talking a lot about. Like why aren't these things active and alive in our lives on a daily basis on our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? And so two things were going on. I was I was basing a lot of my ideas about the Holy Spirit on a counterfeit that I had seen. Eric touched on that too. You know, the things that we perceive 
the Rouge Holy Spiriters to practice and it's not safe. And I think the one thing that that God has done the deepest in my heart is that the Holy Spirit is safe and he's not going to make you go out of control. He's not going to do out of control things. You know, when we practice the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they heal and restore and change us in deep personal levels. And it, it's safe and beautiful. And he's not going to embarrass you in front of people. And I had a lot of ideas that that God just stripped me of. I remember one of the first times that someone had a word of prophecy for me, I was pretty convinced that she would tell me you know, something that I did wrong or some way that I wasn't great in a certain area. So I knew the Holy Spirit as someone that would guide and convict me of sin, but I didn't know him as comforter and as friend and that he would guide me with the spirit of truth and those other aspects that are deeply transformative in our walk with the Lord. And the other area that I was wrestling with was that God had called me to face evil on multiple levels that I knew I was, I was very passionate about walking into these areas. And I knew that I was called to do that. But I told the Lord after some years, I said, in 10 years, I don't see how I'm going to be anything but a skeleton. (laughs) Like, I don't know how I can do this. I can't. And so I I wasn't practicing the things that Eric was pursuing and I wasn't even asking for them. So this is a testimony of how gracious the Lord is. Eric received the gift of tongues like he explained to you tonight. And then he literally came in and prayed for me when I was about ready to go to sleep one night. And uh, the next morning I knelt like I always do in prayer before the Lord. And I just flowed and prayed in another language that the Lord gave me. And the way that I would describe that is that God saw that I was open to Him and that I really wanted to carry His character into dark places. And He knew I didn't have what it took to do that long-term, full of joy. So He just said, this is what you need, Kate, and was gracious enough to give me what I wasn't even desiring or asking for. So touching a little bit on what Eric said before is that we don't need to strive more, pray more. Sometimes we just need to say, Lord, I want everything that you have for me. And I'm open to looking crazy in front of people if that's what it takes for me to walk in fullness and joy. And I can testify some of the things that God did for me, like post receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that he... I would say that in some ways I was addicted to evil. I was passionate about going into places of evil and, you know, voicing things that were unvoiced and and pursuing justice for people. But you can only do that that long if you don't know what overcomes evil and you don't walk with the Lord in a very close way and understand the goodness that comes with walking with Jesus. And what the Holy Spirit does is he brings the supernatural power that overcomes evil and we can walk into any circumstances starting with our own hearts the places that we're most afraid of and just invite the holy spirit to start changing us from the inside and he does it supernaturally and he started doing that for me personally but then i started praying these things you know what i would have called crazy prayers like lord give her a picture of your face right now you know in areas that i don't really expect that to happen and watching how over and over again the Lord showed up in beautiful ways in a brothel with a, with a madame that's running things. You know, he's giving them vivid pictures of who he is. So I think sometimes we're unbelieving believers and we're, we're saying, yeah, we believe that these gifts exist. We believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and, and living today, but we're not practicing these things that really will bring the life and health and healing that so many of us need on multiple levels. So yeah, those are the two things that I wanted to touch on, just how how the Lord brought me to the place where I could understand how good overcomes evil and how he wants to work supernaturally in my heart, starting in my heart with transforming my heart, but then how that can flow um, to everything that he's called you to do, that there's no impossible circumstance that he can't overcome. And when we pray those specific prayers and are willing to just step out and walk in faith and believe that what he's promised, what he promised then is for us now, um, you just stand back and watch how beautiful the Lord is. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. 
Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, now, maybe tomorrow night we'll get into some definitions of things using certain terms that doesn't need to be defined within the context of scripture, right? So, um, so, it, and it's important to do that because it helps to it helps us have more faith, right, in God's word, and, and it helps us to understand what we have, what we are supposed to have faith for to receive from Him, right? <laughs> so, um, but <clears throat> what I'd like to do tonight maybe is open up a little bit of time here for some of us to share. Um, our experiences with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and his gifts in our lives. To do that openly. Say, hey, this is what Jesus has done for me. Not to point to ourselves, right? We're not trying to do it. We're trying to glorify Jesus. So everything, even I share tonight, it's for God's glory. To God be the glory. Yeah? It's for his glory, for his, for his um, namesake, right? And so we want to do that. Let's give glory to Jesus for, for everything he does in our lives. Um, and so we want to do that. Um, and then what we want to do towards the end of the service here is, is open it up for prayer. And what we want to do tonight <clears throat> is um, uh, we want to spend time in worship before the Lord and then and praying and ministering in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So there's going to be some of us coming up here and praying. And if you sense there's a need in your life for, for to, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and again, we haven't defined that, but uh, I would define that in very basic ways, the outpouring of the Spirit and the gifts flowing from our lives as a result of that. Um, not a particular gift, but gifts, as you see in Scripture, and so uh, we'll go through that tomorrow. Uh, but if you feel you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but maybe you re- you'd like to um, receive some, gift, some other gifts from the Lord, or there's certain gifts you haven't seen, but you've, asking, you've been asking the Lord, and like First Corinthians 14 says, uh, you know, it's earnest desire, uh, we should have an earnest desire for the spiritual gifts. If you're desiring certain manifestations or gifts of the Spirit, we can pray for those particular things. Or maybe you need healing, or maybe you need freedom, or maybe you need to repent of idolatry. Right. Maybe some, some repentance that needs to happen tonight. Maybe there's some house cleaning that needs to go on. Right? Maybe there's some maybe there's some broken relationship that needs to be mended tonight okay, as a preparation for what God wants to do in your heart, even tonight and tomorrow. Let, let's start doing that. Okay? Let's start opening our hearts and saying, even now, start saying in your heart, Jesus, what, what do you want to do in my life? All right? Jesus, what, what do you want to do? do, what do how do you want me to respond to you tonight? What is it that you want to do in my life? And then, And then, would you be willing to just respond to the Lord in that way? Whatever he wants to do, whatever that means, even if it's you're uncertain or fearful. You can be pushed past that and to receive from the Lord. So let's have a time of sharing and some testimonies, just opening it up for like in relation to our pouring of the gifts and the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life and how that's changed and transformed you. Um, let's do that tonight a little bit here.